اعوذ بالله من الشیطان الرجیم بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم الحمد لله رب العالمین وصلی الله علی سیدنا محمد و آله الطاهرین verse number 59 of surah araf a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim laqad arsalna nuhan ila qaumihi faqala ya qaum a'budullaha ma lakum min ilahin ghayruh inni akhafu alaykum adhaba yawmin adhim certainly we sent Noah to his people he said oh my people worship allah you have no other god besides him Indeed, I fear for you the punishment of a tremendous day. Now, we discussed uh, this verse last week. Just a couple of issues that I have to mention here. First of all, the verse shows that as early as the time of Nuh, people were worshipping idols beside Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't know exactly what time in history Nuh lived. And all the uh, dates which are given, especially the dates given in the Bible, uh, are not reliable at all. They say between Adam and Nuh were 10 generations, between Nuh and Ibrahim, 10 generations, between Ibrahim and Musa, 10 generations. This is absolutely uh, undocumented. There is no document to show this. And especially we have a hadith from the Prophet, peace be on him, who says that do not follow these type of genealogies which are mentioned and I have mentioned this before here the Prophet peace be on him said Adnan Adnan was the 20th uh, grandfather of the Prophet peace be on him and he said when you took my uh, genealogy up to Adnan then do not go further up taking it to Ismail and Ibrahim and Nuh because this is what usually the, the books of Sirah do and he, uh, Prophet peace be on him, brings a verse from uh, Surah Al-Furqan, قَالَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى وَعَادًا وَثَمُودًا وَأَصْحَابَ الرَّسِ وَقُرُونًا بَيْنَ ذَلِكَ كَثِيرًا He says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself says that between Adam, Thamud, and Ashab al-Ras, there were many generations that you do not know about. Your history has not recorded. That is why I say we never can locate Nuh in history, that when he was given this mission. But we know that it was very early. As I said, the Sharia, the way we know it today, started with Nuh alayhi salam. شَرَعَ لَكُمْ مِنَ الدِّينَ مَا وَسَّى بِهِ نُوحًا وَالَّذِي أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ وَمَا وَسَّيْنَا بِهِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَمُوسَى وَعِيسَى So the Sharia started with Nuh. And the type of arguments that Nuh has with his people shows that the people were quite developed in their culture, in their ideology, in their theology, quite developed. And perhaps the most elaborate arguments mentioned between a prophet and his people in the Quran is between Nuh and his people. In Surah Hud, only 25 verses discusses these the story of Nu and many of them, of course, the arguments. And he was quite an, a sort of eloquent prophet. If you look into Surah Nu, you see how eloquently he discusses things with his people. Alam taraw kayfa khalaqallahu sab'a samawatin tibaqan wa ja'ala al-qamara fihinna nuran wa ja'ala al-shamsa siraja. He explains for his people the creation, the way things work in creation. So he was quite eloquent in his and 
very well expressed in the Quran because he was a very expressive prophet. And that's why in, in Surah Hud, the final argument of his people with him is, قَالُوا يَا نُوحُ قَدْ جَادَلْتَنَا فَأَكْثَرْتَ جَدَالَنَا You are arguing with us so much. And of course, it was not just a sort of free argument or discussion. It was always... Uh, uh, mixed with viol- uh, violence because it is said that Nuh was beaten up after every argument and he was thrown in his house. People think that he was dead and next day he was just up and healthy coming back and starting to argue with his people. And this lasted, as the Quran says, for 950 years. So patient a man Nuh was. Now, here the argument the main thing which uh, is mentioned here as the argument, as the theme of the argument of the prophets, as I said, five prophets are mentioned before coming to, to, to the story of Musa salam. And in all these, except the, uh, the case of Lut, which has a quite different issue with his people, the message is, Ya ma lakum min ilahin Worship Allah. There is no ilah. Ilah is someone who is worshipped, something who is worshipped. There is no ilah beside him. Now, why this is very important? And we know that uh, the idolatry had become quite pervasive on the earth at the time of Nuh alayhi salam. And the type of idols that they were worshipping, again, elaborately is mentioned in Surah Nuh. The people, the, the wealthy people at the time of Nuh, they said, do not abandon your aliha, the idols that you worship. Five idols are mentioned, which were probably worshipped in different quarters of the earth at that time. So that's why I say, Idolatry at the time of Nuh was quite pervasive and quite uh, deep uh, in its uh, culture. There was the cu- a culture of idolatry which was uh, deep-rooted in people's mind. So here the message is, Ya ma lakum min Now one may think that, okay, worship is something which is a spiritual act of human being. It's a sort of attitude which comes into the heart. Now, uh, the people who worship idols are not much different from the people who worship God because this sort of attitude is shown in them, a, a sort of devotion. So why it is so important that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَغْفِرُ أَنْ يُشْرَكَ بِهِ وَيَغْفِرُ مَا دُونَ ذَلِكَ this idolatry shirk is not forgiven by Allah. But anything else Allah will forgive, anything else Allah will forgive except shirk. And of course, this is uh, uh, quite clear that it means without tawbah, without repentance, because repentance with repentance, even shirk is forgiven. So Allah may forgive everything. Whatever a person has done may be forgiven except this one, except shirk. Why? Why is it so important and why this has been actually the, the, the message of all prophets? And the Surah uh, Araf is the first Surah in which a theme of message of the prophets are mentioned. 
And the first time that which it appears in the Quran, the theme is, Ya ma Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that, I have not created man and jinn but to worship me. So this worship, this attitude of worshiping, humbling oneself before something else, and especially before Allah, in a, devoted, in a devotional way, is what Allah requires from human beings towards him. And that is why this attitude or this quality is invested in every human being. Every human being has this ability to worship. Otherwise, Allah wouldn't have said, I have created man and jinn to worship me. So the ability, the capability of worship is invested in every human being, is installed in us. Now, this is installed in us to bring us closer to Allah, to God. However, if we use this wrongly, which of course most of the human beings in the, during the history have done it, and nowadays that many people do not worship anything at all, they actually turn this quality into things which are quite selfish, material. In the past, people did, did deviate or did use this quality in a wrong way, devoting it to other things other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nowadays, people who do not worship at all, they actually turn this, uh, bend this towards their selfish desires. And that's why Allah can be one's own self as well. Allah can be selfish desires as well. As we have in, for example, in Surah Jathia, in Surah Furqan, Have you not seen the one who has taken the objects of his worship or the subject of his worship, his own desires? This is possible. So, man, as we can define him uh, in, in, in one way, is a worshipping animal. It is not possible for man not to worship. We have to worship something. Now, that something may be an idol, that something may be an angel, maybe a prophet, maybe a human being, maybe our own self-desires. We cannot not worship. We always worship. However, and this is because it's just like, for example, dreaming. Human being cannot go without dreaming. We usually... All human beings dream. Or we cannot, for example, not imagine. Always we imagine things. And worship is like that. We cannot go without worship. And since this is a quality which is installed in every human being for a purpose, and the purpose is to use it to go closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if we bend it and turn it towards other things, then we have actually misused and uh, somehow made this very important quality as a waste in our nature. So that is very important. And why people in the past, nowadays, of course, the whole trend is changed. Because the trend nowadays is not towards worshipping, is towards worshipping, not towards worshipping other things, is towards worshipping human being, human qualities. Uh, however, in the past, people used to think that because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was so far away from human imagination. Uh, 
They could not see his hand in this creation. They could not see that he is managing things. They could not see that he is the one who does the tadbir of everything. So what they thought, they thought that there are certain creation closer to human world than Allah, which are managing things. These are arbab. This rab means someone who sustains, who manages something. There were sustainers beside Allah. And that's why they made these idols to be sustainers. They never thought that the idols are, were creators. They thought that the idols were sustainers of this world. And then, of course, they made symbols for them. And these symbols were these uh, objects that they, uh, they carved or they made with stone or good or something like that. So they were not actually worshipping these stones or woods that they carved. What they worshipped was what was symbolized by these things that they, they, they carved by their hands. However, of course, among the, uh, the, the lay people, among the, the, the general public, they gradually, gradually thought that these idols, these wood and stone and these things are the objects of worship. As, of course, if you go to Hindu temple, they will explain for you that we are not worshipping these physical objects, we are worshipping things that they are symbolized, but ordinary people, if they, you ask them, they, they say we are worshipping these things. So, if uh, this uh, worship of Allah is so important, turning away from that and using that quality in something else would become so dangerous for human soul and for human existence, especially uh, in hereafter. This is why the theme is chosen here. فَقَالَ يَا قَوْمَ اللَّهَ مَا لَكُمْ مِنْ إِلَهٍ غَيْرُهُ إِنِّي أَخَافُ عَلَيْكُمْ عَذَابَ يَوْمٍ عَظِيمٍ I fear for you the punishment of a tremendous day. And this عَذَابَ يَوْمٍ عَظِيمٍ The exodus have uh, a mixed opinion about this, whether this is the day of judgment or the punishment which Nuh was actually promising will come if they did not obey him. That was the deluge or, or whatever punishment should come, the destruction, that if you do not follow, there will be destruction, there will be the punishment of a uh, uh, very tremendous day. In Surah Hud, there's a very concise uh, account of the argument that Nuh made with his people and the answer that they had, or, or rather uh, the other way, the, the people argued against Nuh, what they argued against Nuh, and what Nuh answered here. Now, one thing here uh, is uh, very important. We, we discussed this uh, last week as well. This Adab Yawman Adim, the punishment of a day of destruction, which is called adabul istisal, that to pluck out a, a, a people from existence, actually, to, to take away the existence of a community. This, uh, as we discussed before, is no more in place. So if we see that 
uh, uh, people are destroyed is not because they are denying or, or whatever. This punishment is specifically for those who have a prophet. The prophet has that huge spiritual soul connected to the uh, to the world of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala closely and they reject him and deny him and they, they, they are destroyed. This is only for, for this case because uh, uh, the Quran says وَمَا كُنَّا We never punish until we uh, send a messenger. So if a messenger is not sent, this sort of punishment is not there. And since, of course, the whole uh, prophethood is finished by Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, this type of punishment does not exist anymore. It existed in the past. However, we have actually to take heed. We have to understand our position when we study the story of these people who were in the past. Now, coming back to the argument of Nuh, and his people. Uh, in, in Surah Hud, uh, the same theme is there, that Nuh came to his people and said, Allah ta'abudu illa Allah, do not worship but Allah, inni akhafu alaykum alim, I fear for you the punishment of a painful day. Now, what they said, they brought four arguments, and this shows that this mala'ah of the people of Nuh, and mala'ah, probably the people in authority. Because mala' are the people who, from mala'a, filling something. They fill the eye, they fill the height. They are so awesome, they fill the heart. They, are, they have so much wealth and beauty of life that they fill the eye. That's why they are called mala'. And usually all these arguments that prophets had with their people is between them and the mala. That's the people in authority, the people in power. Now, these people who were in power, they brought four arguments against Nu, against Nu, which are not elaborately mentioned here, but part of it is mentioned in Surah Araf. فَقَالَ الْمَلَعُ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْ قَوْمِهِ The mala, that's the, the powerful people who had rejected among his people, rejected him. What they said, first of all, مَا نَرَاكَ إِلَّا بَشَرًا مِثْلًا you are just a human being like us. Why do you claim authority? Authority over, of course, the connection with God, saying that I am a messenger. You are nothing but a human being like us, and a human being like us cannot be connected to, not only to the Arbab, to lords who are sustaining things, but to the creator of the lords. It's impossible. So, first of all, مَا نَرَاكَ إِلَّا بَشَرًا مِثْلَنَا Secondly, مَا نَرَاكَ تَبَعَكَ إِلَّا الَّذِينَ هُمْ أَرَاذِلُنَا بَعْدِيَرَ The people who are following you are simpleton people who are ignoble people in their eyes because they were poor people, they didn't have anything. Who are following you? Tell us. Who among these noble people follow you? No one but the ignoble people who are badiyarai. They cannot think thoroughly. They just hear something. They are uh, swayed by 
a sort of very simple argument that you you come and say you say that I am from God I am bringing a message from God so these are aradiluna badirai two things they are not intellectuals and it, it, it seems from other verses of the Quran that these people at the time of Nuh boasted very much in their intellectual culture. That they thought that they are very progressive people. They thought that by rejecting worshipping of Allah, of course they were not wor- rejecting worshipping, they were worshipping idols. However, they thought that they were very progressive in their ideology and in their opinion. So these people who follow you are not intellectuals. They cannot think through what you are saying. Thirdly, مَا نَرَى لَكُمْ عَلَيْنَا مِنْ فَضْلٍ You bunch of people who are uh, believing in this, you have no merits which would put you upon us. So uh, we do not see any merit, any knowledge, source of wealth. And this source of wealth was very important because in every... uh, case when a prophet came because usually prophets were among the poor people were from among the poor people they didn't have anything so say for example in surah Furqan, one of the arguments that the mushrikun had against the prophet they said why this prophet has to work couldn't allah send someone to work for him so that he is absolutely free for bringing his message he has to eat food and Allah would not provide for him the food. He has to go to the market and buy the food for himself. So what type of prophet did we see? Why? An angel doesn't come helping him even if he, he has to go to the market and buy things an angel could help him in this way or if angel doesn't come to help him in this, Allah give him a source of provision. Why Allah doesn't give him a garden so that he doesn't need to go and buy things, work, he should have servants and these things. So, we don't see any merits because they saw the merits to be the worldly merits. Now, based on these three, Based on these three, first of all, you are a human being like us. Secondly, you are not intellectuals and ignoble people are already following you. And thirdly, you have no merit upon us, therefore you are liars. You are a liar, بَلْ نَظُنُّكُمْ كَاذِبِينَ You are a liar that you say that I am any Rasul of Rabbil Alameen. Otherwise, show us one of those three things or you are a liar. Now, what Nuh said was that, yes, of course, I'm a human being like you. And this argument uh, in, in Surah uh, 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 hmm? No, no, no. Surah after, after Munafiqun. Uh, anyhow, uh, in one of the surahs, just the name slipped my mind, uh, the, the, the prophets were actually argued against by the people. They said to them that, uh, uh, If you follow a human being like yourself, you are 
the losers. Why should we follow a human being like us? Uh, uh, this argument is, as I said, is quite uh, uh, pervasive throughout the Quran. What Nuh said is that قَالَ يَا قَوْمَ أَرَأَيْتُمْ إِنْ كُنْتُ عَلَىٰ بَيَّنَةٍ مِنْ رَبِّي وَآتَانِ رَحْمَةً مِنْ أَنْدِهِ فَأُمِّيَتْ عَلَيْكُمْ I'm a human being like you. However, what if I have a clear sign that Allah has given me a mercy? Why do you think the mercy is only in material things, mercy of God? What if I show you a clear sign of that? This was the answer for that. And the second thing was that you boast for your money. And I tell you, I'm not asking any money from you. Ya and they said that Manara alaykum lana Manara He said, Yes, of course. I don't say La The treasures of Allah is not in my hand. I don't say I know ghayb. I don't say I'm an angel. I'm a human being like you. The only thing is that I have a clear sign that Allah has given me a mercy that hasn't given you. And these people who are not intellectuals, who you think that they, who are very base in your eyes, I cannot say they cannot receive a mercy from Allah. We are all human beings like each other. So these are the arguments. Anyhow, here, uh, the, the argument is not as elaborate not as elaborate as in Surah Hud. Uh, yeah, sorry, the Surah, I wanted to mention a verse from Surah Taghabun. The, the name had slipped my mind. And uh, the, the verse says that, Alam yatakum naba'ul kafaru min qabl. Haven't come to you the, the, the story of those, the report of those who uh, rejected in past. What they say, a human being is going to guide us. Not an angel, not something from the spiritual world. They turn away because of istikbar, thinking that human being like us cannot be a prophet. Something like that. Now, here, the elite of his people, قَالَ الْمَلَأُ مِنْ قَوْمِهِ إِنَّا لَنَرَاكَ فِي ظَلَالٍ مُبِينٍ The elite of his people, the mala, as I said, the mala were the people in authority. They said that, indeed, we see you in manifest error. Why نَرَاكَ فِي ظَلَالٍ مُبِينٍ How can God manage and sustain things? He's so far away, he's so exalted, so transcendent. How can he busy himself, occupy himself, coming to this material world and sustaining and managing things? He's so exalted, he has delegated this to our idols, to these lords, so to speak. And these laws are the ones who sustain. So, of course, here is very concisely as mentioned this, but if we want to go into elaborate arguments of these people, they would have said this, that you do not understand the way God is, you do not understand the way 
human world is you do not understand the mediation and these things. Now the answer is quite clear that he what argument they, they were making. Oh my people, I'm not in error. Rather, I'm an apostle from the Lord of all the worlds. Now this was the the main issue of the uh, the main issue between him and his people, Rabbul Alamin. They did not accept that there is a Rabbul Alamin. They said that every alam has its own Rabb. The world of this, the oceans has its own Rabb. The world of the uh, uh, the land has its own Rabb. The forest has its own Rabb. The rain has its own Rabb. So Rabbul Alamin was meaningless. And that's why when Musa went to Pharaoh and said, "Qala inni Rasul Rabbil Alamin," I am the Lord, I am the Messenger of the Lord of all Alamin. Qala Pharaoh, Rabbul Alamin? What is Rabbul Alamin? There is no such a thing at all. There, there is no one being which is the Lord of every world. And that's why the first thing that the Quran teaches us, and we always say in our salat, of course, this is now quite common sense knowledge for us that Allah is Rabbul Alameen. But this has not been the case before. And even in the modern culture, they do not see God working in different worlds. They see, well, they are so scientifically seeing that every world has its own sort of uh, organization. So what we say in Surah Al-Hamd, right at the beginning, Alhamdulillah Rabbul Alameen. This is very, very important. So when the Pharaoh said, قَالَ فَرْعَوْنُ وَمَا رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ قَالَ رَبُّ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا بَيْنَهُمَا إِنْ كُنْتُمْ تُوْقِنُونَ قَالَ لِمَنْ حَوْلَهُ أَلَا تَسْتَمِعُونَ He was actually mocking Musa. That he says that he's the Lord in heavens, he's the Lord in earth, he's the Lord everywhere. قَالَ لِمَنْ حَوْلَهُ أَلَا تَسْتَمِعُونَ do you not hear what he says? He's a foolish man. He's the Lord of all times. Now this was again very amazing because Pharaoh thought he was the Lord of his own time, sustainer, and every time had his own Lord. This is really mad. This man who is sent to you who claims to be from Rabbul Alamin is really mad. How here also uh, what uh, Nuh is saying that in Walakani Rasulum Rabbil Alamin, I'm a messenger from the Lord of the worlds. And uh, uh, this was what they actually rejected, and this is why they say they said Ma uh, we see you in clear error. And of course they had their own arguments for it. Uh, and the new follows uh, on saying Three things he mentions. Inshallah we leave this for next week. Thank you very much, Sheikh. Um, we've got some time for questions. Do we have any questions? 
Thank you, Sheikh. Uh, so it seems that uh, this uh, phrase, Rabbul Alamin, is the main argument. And so if somebody is believing in Rabbul Alamin, but still uh, considering these articles as a means of approaching that Rabbul Alamin spiritually, so how do we then take that person as a believing in one God or like we sometimes in our communities as well, we believe in Rabbul Alamin, but we sometimes consider these means. We sometimes are considered mushrik, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I no, don't know. Sometimes there is an argument. It is, it is the whole, the crux of the matter is independence and delegation. I mean, if we believe that Allah has delegated something to someone, some authority to someone, delegated and is not interfering anymore. They work independently, that's shirk. And that's not acceptable. But if we think that Allah has allowed someone to work on his behalf, as we have in the Quran that the messengers work on behalf of God, bring the message. Khaz was working on behalf of God, doing certain things. If we say that they are allowed to do things on his behalf with his power, with his leave, Again, with his power is very important. They don't have independent power. Whatever they do is with his power. Then this is not shirk, of course. This is the way this world works. The sun is giving heat. Of course, is giving heat with the power of Allah, with the leave of Allah. So if we believe that sun is giving heat, we are not mushrik. But if we believe that sun works, acts independently, or it has its own Lord, which works independently as they thought in the past, that son has his own lord, which works independently, Allah has delegated it to him, then that's shirk. Um, do we have any other questions? Thank you very much indeed for the lecture. Sheikh, in his refutation to the Malak, um, Nu um, says that he has a clear mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I don't know if I missed it, but did, did you actually explain what that mercy was, or did he have something that he could actually show them? Well, no, I did not explain that because this was in another surah. But atani rahmatan min indihi. This is the special rahma mercy that Allah gives to pure people. As, for example, uh, he mentions that about Lut says, "Atkhalnahu fi rahmatina." We made him enter into our rahma. Or about Ibrahim and Ishaq and Ya'qub in Surah Maryam, he says, We gave them from our mercy. So this is that special mercy which enlightens the hearts and gives a person to know about things which ordinarily people do not know. That's the special mercy. Uh, inshallah, when we come to the next verse, when he says, I know from God what you do not know. I will explain that further. But the mercy is that enlightenment of the heart. Any more questions? Yeah. Yeah. Alaikum. Alaikum. Um, Sheikh, I don't think anywhere it's mentioned that Nuh must have come with some signs to prove his claim, because otherwise anybody can say this. And yeah. what were those signs, and, and why would people reject those signs? Uh, well, 
It's very interesting. No signs are mentioned for Nuh at the time. And uh, what is very spectacular and outstanding about Nuh with his people is his arguments. That he was, as I said, he was quite expressive and he argued very beautifully with his people. So maybe this was, because the people at his time thought that they were quite intellectual people, very deep in knowledge. And this is why they said, uh, those who are following you are Aradeluna Badiarai. They are simpleton people who are following you. So maybe uh, his, uh, uh, his main bayina was the way he argued with his people, because nothing else I remember has been mentioned about Nu and his miracles. Do we have any more questions? As I said, it's not mentioned. Nothing is mentioned about his miracles. Or I, I haven't seen anything yet. Seems that you've explained it very well. So. <laughs> very good. <laughs> no, because it's about Nu, and Nu is so expressive <laughs> that no one needs anymore. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, please. Sheikh, sorry, the one most outstanding thing about Noor that every child remembers is he lived so long. Surely yeah. that must have been something people said, well, you know, my grandfather's grandfather knew him. Um, there must be something to this gentleman. Yeah, the thing which, there's a hadith in Kafi, Al-Kafi, which says that actually this long life for Noor was not quite a blessing. It was very cumbersome because... Uh, the hadith says that every father brought his child, showing news to him and saying that this is an, uh, an erroneous person, this is a man in error, just be careful, do not follow him. And generation after generation, people advised their children not to follow this old madman. And this was, of course, uh, not something which was a blessing for Nuh, alayhi salam. Well, would this have been a sign for people about Nu? The stories of Nu doesn't tell this. They say that they thought that this man has gone mad because he's very old or something like that. Longer lives, but not something like Nu. I mean, because the Quran says only 950 years he lived with uh, as a, as a prophet. So. He lived more than that, certainly, and the, some accounts put his life to be more than 2,000 years. So they never lived as long like him. Could you please use the mic? The, um, the, the age that Prophet Nuh, salam, he lived, could that itself be a, a miracle on, on its own, while people could see that he's living hmm. for such a long time? Yes, uh, it could have been. Uh, but after some while, probably people may have said that, well, we don't know how old this man is, but as long as our fathers lived, we, be, we, we remember that they were talking about him. Uh, it could have been, but... It is not mentioned anywhere that this was a sign or a miracle for for his people. And the people didn't take this as something very important. Uh, 
Okay. Um, I think. Oh. So uh, it seems that Sheikh, uh, even in the eyes of Allah, the age is probably not that much important, or how long he lived. Because he just mentioned about, I think Allah mentioned about 950 years. Although you mentioned that in the hadith, that there are claims that he lived more than 2,000 years. So. No, 950 years is mentioned in the Quran yes. as the time that he was a prophet. So uh, before that and after that, because uh, uh, not only as a prophet, 950 years living with those very uh, arrogant people, because uh, in Surah An-Kabud, it says, we sent him to his people. He stayed with them Alpha Sanatin Illa Hamsina Ama, 950 years, with his people. How long he lived after the deluge, we don't know. And how long he lived before being sent as a messenger, we don't know. So, so that's why the hadith put his age much higher. So I think you open up a new argument here is that uh, the general belief in Shia is that. Uh, all the prophets are born as prophets, so one would have assumed that he was prophet for 950 years, and that is how, how long he lived. Uh, I think I don't think this is a Shia view. It's it's just something which goes in in tongues. You see, that's oh. not the Shia. If if you go to Shia theologians, I don't see any Shia theologians saying that the prophets are born as prophets. Yes, they are born as ma'asum and they are protected and all these things, but certainly not as a prophet. Otherwise, there is no meaning of uh, saying that Prophet, for example, at the age of 40 started to receive the Quran. So he should have been receiving it before that time. This is, uh, I'm amazed why we think that this is the case, that the Prophets are born Prophets or as messengers. Yes, they are born with qualities which are certainly uh, different from qualities of other people, but not as prophets. Unless I misunderstood, because from the, from the very childhood, we were, perhaps that this may be going around in the Indo-Pak area, I don't know, but we have always been taught that the prophets are born as prophets. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I haven't seen this in, uh, in the words of Shiite theologians, anyhow. Sorry, on that point, isn't it clear in the Quran that Musa was given prophethood at a certain age? Yes, yes. So clearly before that he wasn't given prophethood. That's right, that's right. Yeah. And uh, he himself very clearly says to Pharaoh that, فَفَرَرْتُ مِنْكُمْ لَمَّا خِفْتُكُمْ When I fear that you may kill me, I ran away from Egypt. فَوَحَبَ لِي رَبِّ حُكْمًا Then Allah gave me this hukm, which is the, the prophethood. وَجَعَلَنِي مِنَ الْمُرْسَلِينَ So before that, certainly he was not. In Sheikh, we can apply this similar argument for our, our prophet, Muhammad, that he wasn't a prophet, he was born. Okay, he had qualities of the prophet. So what, what do you mean by he was a prophet when he was born? Like Isa, alayhi salam, you mean? Yes, well, that, that is, I think, has been understanding all around in our So you mean, community. for example, since the childhood he was receiving the Quran, or he had a mission, what, I mean, when we say he was a prophet since childhood, what do we mean by that? Well, uh, that I don't know, but as, as a prophet, what we had understood then is probably would apply now. Now now that you are putting forward your argument, I have no answer for that. 
Sheikh, I think what people are trying to mean is that he was destined to be a prophet from the day he was born. That doesn't mean he was. He was that was his destiny. Yeah, and that's it, true. It didn't happen haphazardly somewhere because he did something good in between. Yeah, that's true. Of course, he was destined to be a prophet, certainly. And it, it showed itself during his childhood and others and signs that he saw, people saw. Yeah, of course, he was destined to be a prophet. But really, revelation coming down to him, it started at the age of just before 40. He was seeing certain things, and then the Quran started to be revealed at the age of 40 to him. So my belief in my Prophet Muhammad will not deter in any way whatsoever. So my next question is, was he a masoom from the age of 40? Or pre-40 he was a masoom as well? No, the, the prophets are masoom since they are born. And what we mean by that, what we mean by that is that there are certain human beings who never sin during their lives. And these are masoomin. And there are others as well who may have this quality. And Allah only chooses his prophets from among these people. Only chooses the prophets from among these Not that he especially protects them, but they are protected in the sense that they are so pure that they are not deviated. And then it's only from among these people that Allah chooses his prophets. So that's why we can say, yes, he was masum since he was born. So how that would apply in the case of Musa salam because he killed somebody during the jail time. So you can't tell him as a masumin in an earlier days? Uh, well, the killing of that person was not a sin because uh, he was something who was torturing Banu Israel. And he did it in defense of an oppressed person. However, why he said, قَالَ رَبِّ nafsi. Apparently because he actually uh, destroyed the whole plan that he had to save Banu Israel. Because from very young age he had this idea in his mind that I'm going to help these people. And that's why they, he visited the city of uh, Hebrews of Banu Israel. He used to go there regularly, of course with official sort of entourage because he was a prince. So whenever he wanted to visit this Medina of Ibraniyun, the, the city in which Banu Israel lived, he had the, the, the official uh, reception and all these things. But one day he went there without official uh, officials knowing. Then he saw what was happening. Because whenever Musa entered, everything was quite good, uh, whitewashed, everything. So he didn't see things. So one day when he went without notice, noti without giving notice, then he saw how these people were tortured, were lashed, and he defended someone. And, well, unwantedly, he just punched someone and he died. So it was not a sin. Why he said, nafsi? Because he destroyed the plan by becoming emotional and killing that pe person. Are there any more questions? Okay, I think we'll end there. Thank you very much. Thank you.